Let's go. I sell products, not advertising. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. You're okay, now you're just getting in, you're only getting started. People will think what I tell them to think. Oh, have I got your attention now? You have part of my attention, you have the minimum amount. This guy's got the right idea. Why don't we begin? Locked and ready. Bombs away! Welcome to episode 20 of Built to Scale with me, your host, Mitch Fanning. For those tuning in for the first time, the goal of this podcast is to have meaningful conversations with other early stage tech executives and operators, with the focus being on helping B2B SaaS or tech companies go to market, scale, and win. Now, before we get into the episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank all of the first responders out there who are doing everything they can to care for others in need at this time. You truly deserve our gratitude once again. Thank you. All right. So in episode 20, I had a great conversation with Nicola Vandenberg, co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper, the go-to scheduling app for revenue teams at companies like Sendozo, Gainsight, and many more, who all use Chili Piper to double pipeline and close more deals. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Nicola, he began his journey selling newspapers on the streets of Paris, then went on to start and sell three tech companies before bootstrapping Chili Piper to 40 plus employees in less than five years. Now, during our conversation, we cover a lot of ground, including the advice that Steve Jobs gave Nicola back in the 90s, how Chili Piper is not only weathering the COVID-19 storm, but thriving as a result of it, and the one thing that Nicola believes that most around him don't. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did, so without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, we now have visual on target. So Nicola, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, not a problem. So I actually, I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation since the last time we spoke, because as a result of COVID and all the things that have been happening, uh, a lot of companies are starting to talk about uh, revenues being down, having to readjust forecasting, having to adjust to remote working when you know they haven't had to do that. And obviously, it's been harder to sell in this environment. But Chili Piper has seemed to weather this storm, and obviously I want to unpack that a little bit with you uh, later on, but first, uh, to kick things off, I'd like to actually go way back when you were uh, taking your MBA in, at Stanford, and you had the opportunity to hear Steve Jobs come in. I, I guess he did a talk uh, to the class. What did you take away from that experience, and specifically, how, what did he say, if anything, that in retrospect has been helpful uh, for you in the last like two or three months? He, he had some magic words. Uh, it's actually recorded. If you uh, search for them on YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, um, so obviously it's a, it's a uh, thought that uh, was important to him. And he, he said many times, he um, looked at us and he said, uh, your life is going to change when you realize one simple thing. And that is that everything around you, everything you use, everything you buy has been created by somebody no smarter than you. So you too can create your own things and you too can change the world the way you want it. And that, 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 that's just hit home for me. You know, I, I, I looked at him at the time he was doing, uh, he was CEO of next a computer company and, and next was struggling. He, um, the joke was that he, he was going next to nowhere and um, he actually complained a lot about how the press was criticizing him but yet he had this uh, belief in, in the ability of people to be creative and come up with new solutions 
And I just thought that's what I want to do. I, 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 I want that's what I want to do when I to be when I grow up. I want to be the, that person, and uh, that's a core belief that uh, um, if you if something is not quite right around you, would just go and try to fix it. I've actually uh, um, started another company, as, as you know, we uh, I'm founder and CEO of Chili Piper, but um, a couple of years into it, I started another company called Gypsy Time. I was um, trying to use different uh, to-do lists, and then I've never found something that um, quite worked for me. The reason why is my, my uh, to-do kept accumulating in my list, and they were never <laughs> getting done. And and so I, I had the thought of the Steve Jobs and saying, you know, remember, you know, that everything that has been invented is by people no smarter than you. So if they if they uh, have come up with this type of to-do list, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything different it just means that those who invented them just thought that was the right thing if you think of something different you can go and do it so i, I started gypsy time to get a to-do list uh, helping people do things as opposed to helping people uh, list things um and that, that, yeah there's been uh, um, a few magic worlds for me well obviously you, you took it to heart and and like you said uh, you, you're you're in like multiple companies now. It's obviously four or five companies that you've kind of uh, been involved in and started, and and uh, that's right. What at one form or, or another. So let's kind of fast forward and and and, and switch gears to Chili Piper. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about you know what is Chili Piper? Why did you start it? Uh, and you know what problem are you guys trying to ultimately solve? I was uh, helping a friend of mine. <clears throat> With uh, founded a very exciting uh, telecom company to go after the the big guys, and um, he asked me to run his sales department for him. And um, my sales team uh, was somewhat old-fashioned. They were uh, it's a surprising thing, but people in telecom is not as uh, high tech as people in the tech industry. Um, so when I, I I set them up on Salesforce, uh, it's as if I had. Uh, Ask them to fetch the moon. They said we we're not going to use that thing, and 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 they refused to it. And so I looked at it. The, you know, Salesforce was designed in uh, 1999, and it's the same design. And now they're changing it, but at the time it, it was the same design. They were still uh, yes live, and uh, and I thought that's just not that's just wrong. I mean, you know, the, nowadays software is enjoyable. It's, it's a pleasure to use. My daughters, when they're on the iPhone, um, I don't have to beg them to use the iPhone. <laughs> they just love it. So I had this vision that sales tech was going to be completely changed and a whole bunch of tools would be created to uh, help salespeople. And same thing applies. I think if, if that's going to happen, I want to be the, the person making it happen. And more specifically, I thought, okay, what, is, what are um, the tools that salespeople use every day? And if you think of it, it was around the time when LinkedIn was really taking off. So obviously LinkedIn is a big thing, but outside of LinkedIn, salespeople typically use their email, their phone, their calendar. And the tool that they use <coughs> to do their job as professionals at the exact same Gmail outlook as my mother uses to email me, <laughs> right? And I thought that that cannot continue. At some stage, they're going to, somebody's going to crack and say, "Look, to do emails and calendar, and you're a salesperson, you need all sorts of uh, tools that uh, 
that uh, take into account the context of what you need to do and do a much better job. So that's, that's what the impetus of uh, starting TD Piper. We started with uh, scheduling because scheduling is the life and blood of sales, right? Meetings is, is where it all starts. Um, and now we're moving into uh, emails because it turns out that uh, emails are a very critical part of the sales process. And it's actually uh, under uh, um, considered. Um, <clears throat> to be more precise, there's a lot of attention on cold emails, and that's because people struggle with them. Uh, but if you think of it, once you get the meeting, you start the meeting, then most of the follow-up process is going to be by email also, and people don't pay attention to it. The, what we call the warm emails, the emails where you already engage and you need to move things. And that's what we decided we'd go after. We said now that we've got, we've got scheduling, scheduling <coughs> pretty much figured out, uh, the next thing we're going to help uh, salespeople is email. So that's the big picture of a uh, GD Piper. Yeah, it's interesting as you were saying that. Uh, I'm involved in on the product management side of things uh, at my company. And one of the things I always tell the product team is, you know, when you're looking at UI, UX, and and we're kind of revamping uh, our platform. Um, you know, you're 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 really you know you're you need to think about the fact that somebody got into your software. They just actually had the Uber experience because they just came to work. Uh, this is obviously when things were were normal, and they probably ordered a Starbucks through you know their app. And if you can't build that same experience in B two B software, um, you know there's a disconnect. So I completely yeah. agree. Or, or, or otherwise somebody will and you'll, or somebody you, will. You, you'd, better, you'll be obsolete. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the idea. So when, when COVID-19 pandemic kind of began, uh, a lot of these come, a lot of companies were kind of, you know, first of all, every, everyone kind of just stood still and paused. And then a lot of these companies were, um, you know, putting in freezes. They were kind of, you know, being, uh, going into defense mode. Uh, but, you know, just from the research I did, uh, I've done, when you had a conversation with uh, investors, et cetera, you asked the question, how, how do we actually grow in this situation? That's um, exactly right. How, how did you, how, so what are the, some of the things that you've done, uh, or, you know, what have you done to kind of uh, see that through in terms of, you know, because it does seem like you guys are obviously doing, you know, uh, you know, fairly well, all things considered. Indeed, we're hiring when everybody's uh, having layoffs. Um, so, first of all, we had a, a, an unfair competitive advantage where COVID happened. And that's because when we uh, founded the company in 2016, my wife and co-founder and I, decided that from the ground up, the company would be 100% remote. Um, the reason for that is uh, we figured, look, there's talent everywhere in the world. So as you probably guess, I'm originally uh, French. I grew up in the south of France. And my wife and co-founder is uh, from Romania. So obviously, we have a vested interest in believing that uh, there's talent everywhere in the world. And we thought, we are currently based in Brooklyn, and we thought, uh, so should we hire people who happen to live in Brooklyn, or should we happen to hire people wherever they are in the planet? And that was an obvious answer. I would say, of course, we should go. Well, so 
we decided that we would just hire people wherever they are and go run the company in a distributed fa uh, fashion. So as of today, we are 42 people in 36 cities and 16 countries. And that was before COVID, right? We never thought that some virus would uh, make people go back home and work from home. We just, sure. that was not the purpose. So we, we were heavily prepared, right? So we are already operating uh, remotely and working. But that's, that's, <coughs> that's on a, gave it an edge on the operational side. On the strategic side, like other companies, uh, we lost some customers uh, that were very affected by COVID. So retail, travel, uh, you know, we had customers in these spaces and, and it's just the whole space is shut down and, and there's nothing you can do. We had a reasonably balanced portfolio and what we did very early on is we thought, okay, it's very clear that some spaces are going to be super affected and others are going to benefit. Like uh, an obvious example is Zoom, right? Uh, going from 30 to 200 million active users because everybody needs Zoom in the, in the time of COVID. So we very quickly made a list of the um, verticals that were actually either favorably impacted or at least neutral. And, uh, and we went after them. We redirected our <coughs> sales development reps to go after these sectors. And, uh, and it sounds... Obvious, but it worked, and uh, we booked more demos in the last two months than every prior month. Uh, as in demos in total and per rep, it's just worked really well. Those companies that are positively or neutrally affected uh, are very actively trying to improve their processes because they there's no question that uh, in the times of uncertainty, you can't afford to take uh, extra risk in 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 um, in inefficiencies because you, if you spend more money on doing something that take less money then you you have the risk of running out of money so companies were very focused on efficiencies and improve their efficiencies so the the two put together meant that we ended up uh, getting more interest now i won't deny the fact that uh, buyers are more cautious so while we did get a lot more demos and a lot more even inbound interest the sales cycles are longer, mm -hmm. so either the budgets are frozen or or people have more time to look at these options. But it does close, so it's not uh, it's not uh, lower revenue; it's just a bit slower. But but it works. So that's what happened. We kept growing. Uh, we've uh, hired more people. We still have a lot of uh, opening jobs, and and. Uh, now I see that uh, <clears throat> other countries have started reopening their economy, and so far it seems to be going very well. It seems that uh, the second wave of this virus uh, seems less and less likely to happen. Of course, nobody can tell the future. Sure. So, so I think there's one more thing that we did that is not apparent, um, and I... I, I um, told everybody, every Friday we have a company meeting on Zoom. It's a very fun meeting where people from all over the, all over the world <coughs> show up on the Zoom grid. And very early on in the crisis, I said, this is the time for us to invest. We are not going to have layoffs. We're going to do quite the opposite to invest. We're going to invest in our training. We're going to invest in our tools. We're going to generate our process. That way, when the crisis is over, or at least it's getting better, we'll be in a strong position. 
And it's exactly what we've been doing. We, we spent a lot of time on training. We've actually bought more software recently than we had earlier. And, um, and we're very ready uh, for, um, for the next phase of, uh, of this uh, situation. Well, it's interesting. There's the, that, that old saying that you know, winners uh, of economic downturns don't cut, they accelerate. So uh, if you're in that situation, uh, it's, it's good, good words. I, I never heard a saying, but, but that does make sense, yeah. So you mentioned that obviously you guys were 100% remote before, and so it's kind of already, it's very easy to kind of adjust. But as a result of just the situation, uh, were there any things that you did from a from a operational remote standpoint that, that you you've almost um, you, you've almost improved or, or adjusted yourself as a result of this? Uh, yes, we've accelerated uh, the release of uh, one of our products. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, we're known for scheduling a chili pepper and um, <clears throat> for. More than a year now, we're doing some uh, R&D on uh, solutions around emails. And sometimes the simplest solution that, uh, that they want to take the longest time to uh, get right. We had working on the, we had worked on, on a concept of providing comments in Gmail. So if you, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Google Docs. In Google Docs, you can highlight some words and ping somebody and, and put a comment to ask a question. Right, yeah. And we thought that this particular ability would be super useful uh, when exchanging email with customers because you get something, a response or a question from a customer and you want to ping somebody about that question. And um, when COVID started to happen, we started getting a lot of these questions. So we started getting customers who would say, hey, I'm laying off half my sales force. Uh, can you do something for me? Uh, renewal is coming. I'm struggling. Can you do something for me? Right? Uh, or uh, all sorts of these uh, questions that we figured we wouldn't be the only ones. And that's a use case where the ability to ping somebody in comments and, and uh, ask a question or discuss the situation is very useful. So we accelerated this process. We call it uh, um, inbox comments. And we used more more um, discussion around how to respond to uh, this situation. We have uh, an unusual um, policy at Chili Piper. We have a no discount policy. Uh, to these days, I'm not aware of anybody else who actually uh, has that policy and enforces it. So <clears throat> everybody pays the same price at Chili Piper. Our customers pay all, all pay the same price. We have a, somebody comes in by wine license. We have uh, a famous uh, social network buying uh, 2,000 licenses and they all pay the same price per license. So when the crisis has started to happen, people say, well, I need a discount, do something for me. And so it was a very challenging situation because that I can see their view that they're struggling, we should help them. And the other hand, with this policy that we've been uh, enforcing over years and we don't want to break it. So... There was a lot of discussion around that, and that's something that definitely uh, became um, a, a stronger capability within the team, the ability to, to uh, quickly discuss uh, customer situations and come back with solutions. Now, I also know 
in addition to some of you know you mentioned the the no discount policy and it just being kind of a unique uh in addition to that i also know that you have some other unique um kind of best practices internally uh and one of them for example uh, is your application of uh the decision memos that uh, jeff bezos of amazon kind of has made famous uh and just for to create context it's you know memos that are created and read at the beginning of, of meetings can you kind of tell me a bit more about why you decided to use decision memos and, and some of maybe the other unique best practices or, or, or things that you guys do internally, say, as a management team? Yeah, the decision memo, I love it. Uh, so you, you're right. I'm a big fan of Jeff Bezos. I think uh, the guy is a genius. Uh, and so whenever he has a particular unusual practice, uh, I've made sure I read about it and understand it. So in his case, uh, concept of a decision memo is that uh, before, when a meeting starts, instead of going through a PowerPoint presentation and having people uh, check their phone uh, while they're going through slides and, and you know, and, and chat on, online with their friends, he has the main leader of the meeting write a six-page memo uh, in words, so not, not a PowerPoint. And then everybody, when the meeting starts, to read this memo, and then after that, they discuss it. And we applied that um, same method. We tried it at Chili Piper. And the way we did it was, uh, since everything is online, everything is in the cloud for us, so that six-page memo, obviously, was on Google Doc in the cloud, right? right. So we started these meetings, and we would read these memos, and then we thought, you know what? Um, It'd be helpful if we had read ahead of time and commented on it, because then um, we'd be able to use to use these comments as an additional input. So we say, okay, let's do that. And uh, we the next big decision we did the decision memo, so six pages, produced ahead of the time of the meeting and where everybody could comment. And something uh, unexpected happened. Uh, by the time the meeting happened, we already had a solution. Because people comment, exchange, and, and then the solution becomes obvious, right? Right. The, the beautiful thing is that uh, in meetings, sometimes people say things just to look smart. Um, on a decision memo in comments, you don't want to do that, right? <laughs> it's just not helpful. So, uh, so that whole dynamic of wasted time disappears. Every comment is very right on. You can link to additional data to support your comment. Uh, it turned out to be a much more effective uh, way to make a decision. So uh, now it's become standard practice. Every time we uh, have a decision to make, we write a decision memo, we write the options, we write the pros and cons of the options, we, uh, everybody writes their recommendations, everybody comments and, and enriches the document. And it does happen sometimes that we're still in the call to uh, final decision, but in most cases, decision is obvious. And that... Uh, that is an incredibly effective way to, to make decisions. We do that for every software we buy, for every pricing decision we make, every new product decision we make, every feature choice in our products. We have a lot of these decision memo. Uh, all departments are used to it, and uh, and uh, I can't think of any... Uh, all our recurring meetings are less than 30 minutes, in most cases uh, less than 15 minutes. So we don't do these one-hour uh, catch-up and things. Uh, we we have very few internal meetings. 
And for your question, another set of best practices, we have a Friday meeting because we are remote, so it's important to uh, make sure that we still have this sense of belonging, right, that you get from walking around the office and that. So the sense of belonging right. comes from our Friday meeting. We do it uh, at 10 a.m. New York time, which is 7 a.m. in the Pacific, but it's actually um, uh, 5 p.m. on a Friday in Moscow, where a further east uh, person is in Moscow. Um, and so we have people all across, and we all get together. We use Zoom, and we go through um, how the company is doing on, on, on all fronts. And what we've decided to do is to be very transparent. Uh, if you... If you're in an office and you feel you don't know what's happening, then you're going to talk to your people around you and you're going to uh, get a sense for what's really happening. Maybe here, from other people who are in the know. But when everybody's remote, that doesn't happen. So uh, the decision that if people are going to feel that they're part of the company, we should tell everybody everything or everything that's happening. So on a Friday, we review our pipeline, we review our closed deal, we review how much money we're making, we review what products we're working on, we review what marketing is up to, and we do it very efficiently in 30 minutes, but at least everybody knows what the company is up to, and there's no, uh, no it's all concept of uh, uh, make sure the vision is shared, and you know, every Friday we repeat it, so uh, it's a, a very effective way to, to, to get this sense of, uh, of belonging. The interesting thing is that we've also have one more tradition before I, uh, to, to close the question. And I hope we'll be able to do it this year. It doesn't look good. But once a year, we all get together. And when we all get together, it's party time. <laughs> so, right? Because <laughs> we, we, we start about meetings of our party time. So the first year when we were small, we went to India. Uh, the second year, we went to Paris. Last year, we went to Ibiza in September. And we took oh, everybody nice. to Ibiza. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and book, booked the Pasha. Uh, it was a closing night in the, at the Pasha Club uh, with the VIP table. Excellent. And, and we, <laughs> we, we partied like it was the end of the world. We didn't know that it could be the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that, that was just unbelievable because you see all these people who have been working closely together and collaborating, all of a sudden uh, meet in person. And the magic of seeing, you know, uh, account managers from Denver meet software developers from Brazil and, and share a drink and go party is uh, something amazing to watch. So that's a tradition. Uh, hopefully this year we'll be able to do it uh, in spite of Corona. Um, well, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, having fun and balance is important. Um, and, I, and I know, you know, there's been a lot of that since, you know, COVID-19, you hear it, you see it on LinkedIn, uh, people reprioritizing re and resetting and saying, you know, I don't think even if when things go, quote unquote, back to normal, I'm going to, you know, th they're going to do things the way they did, you know, they have a bit more balance in their life. But interesting enough, again, you know, just from kind of looking at, uh, you know, s some of the, some of your comments, um, you, you look at, um, you have a unique perspective on, on balance in terms of just how you look at it. Um, uh, so, you know, how, how do you actually define balance? Yeah, yeah, that's balance right. That's so it's a, you could argue that it's a unique perspective not on balance but on a lack of balance. Um, <laughs> my, my perspective is, and I say it every Friday, um, 
I don't think work is something that's uh, heavy and that you need a balance because you need some time to stay from it. I think work, we're fortunate, uh, not everybody in this situation, but uh, all of us are knowledge workers, people work with our mind, are fortunate to be uh, in a position where we can do things that we just love, right? that are really fun. And, uh, and um, my perspective on it is that uh, Number one, pick something that you love. And number two, it's much more exciting in life to feel that you're making progress. It's a um, known thing on what motivates people, you know, this idea, uh, does money motivate people or not? But what is found is that this sense of uh, ownership, autonomy, and uh, personal development are what uh, are the most important motivators of human behavior. So as I, as I tell my team all the time, I said, this is not a company for cruising. If we need cruising, if there are a lot of <laughs> other companies that have this value proposition, you can go there. Here we don't cruise. Everybody has to keep improving. And, uh, and, and this is how we organize. We, we make the environment. Um, uh, we have a, a lot of measurements, but the measurements are not to blame people. as to say, hey, this is what you need to improve. Let's work together on improving it. An example is on the sales side, we look at conversion rates very closely. Uh, and as soon as we see a conversion rate dip, we call the individual and say, hey, it looks like you're having some challenges. Let's research and see which part of the sales process is more challenging and let's help you uh, get back to that level. So um, overall, um, I do expect people to be fully engaged. And, uh, and uh, when I hear people say, well, you need balance and time, uh, no question you should uh, have uh, the other interest in life, but, but um, the, the, we, we, we get a flipped approach, which is the fun is so, the work is fun that you'll be happier in your life because you're happy in your job, which is definitely something I've observed around me. Uh, often when, when people are unhappy in their personal life, they're unhappy in their work. And if you can make them happy in their work, it will go a long way to uh, make their personal life easier. They'll come home happy. Or in our case, they don't even come home. They stay home. Uh, and and they uh, will have a much more, in effect, balanced life across the board just because their work is, is uh, more enjoyable. Well, I, I absolutely agree. And the way I actually define balance or even look at balance is that it's you have to look at balance long-term or on, on a macro level. Um, I think most people define it as trying to be balanced, you know, at weekly or on the micro level, nine to five, et cetera. But I think, I think you can go long-term or, or long, long, there could be long uh, stretches where you're say unbalanced, but over in terms of say you're doing work because there's something that you need to do, but over the long-term, uh, if you if you can you know if you can adjust and maintain like you said it's uh, kind of if you enjoy what you're doing at the end of the day it's it doesn't even feel like it so uh, it's you're exactly right you're exactly right on this long term view and uh, there's actually some science now behind it um, the Nobel Prize uh, Daniel Kahneman won for behavioral economics uh, after. He worked on behavioral economics with uh, Amos Tversky, whom I had as a teacher in, at Stanford. Uh, and when Tversky um, passed away early on in his life, um, Daniel Kahneman decided to uh, pick another uh, topic of research and worked on uh, happiness, uh, which is an interesting thing for uh, psychologists and economists. 
And what he found is that there are very, two very different uh, notions that correspond to what people uh, would typically call happiness. One is uh, experience happiness, which is I'm having a really good time now. I'm eating, uh, I'm drinking a margarita, and it's very enjoyable. Uh, but the more important notion is what he calls life satisfaction. That is, you look back at your life or you look at your life and you are satisfied. The experience happiness is something that people forget, discount, or, or actually even incorrectly recall uh, over time. But that satisfaction is something deeper. And it's exactly what you say. Over the long term, that's why we know like, I ran a marathon. Uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of suffering. Uh, but I'm so satisfied that I did that. Um, and overall, it's the same thing with work. You can feel that it's a pain that I call a meeting on a Saturday and, uh, and have a bunch of people work on a Saturday. But overall, when you uh, ship a product to public happy, you'll be much more satisfied. So we, we, we obviously making sure everybody has fun on a day-to-day basis, but it's, it's a life satisfaction goal that we have in, uh, in helping people develop professionally. Absolutely. So I'd like to switch things up again and uh, in, in move into what I would call a, my rapid fire segment. So I'm going to say a statement and uh, you'll have about 60 seconds or less uh, to, uh, to answer. Uh, there's about okay. six questions. Um, Nicola, are you ready? Yeah, I didn't, ex- <laughs> didn't ex- expect that, but I'm ready for everything. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's go. Uh, so first question, your favorite app or tool and why? Okay, so that, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm biased because uh, uh, my favorite app uh, is, is Gypsy Time that helps me being productive. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I designed it because I couldn't find the right answer. To ha- and I'm designed to help people actually do things. I have ADHD, so attention deficit. Uh, it was very difficult for me to be productive. So Gypsy Time helps you uh, block distractions. It turns off all the distractions where you focus on attacks and then reopen them. It helps you also batch the task into a sprint. So you put all the tasks together and you sprint to it. And that has changed my life. So I'm biased, but I've got to be honest, and that's my favorite app. Again, I would, I would agree. I, I, don't, I don't believe in multitasking. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's, it is, it's even possible to do uh, effectively. But so, that's right. So uh, I'm, as, I, as I also said to you before we, I think, started recording, I've downloaded Gypsy Time and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So what's one thing you wish your phone could do? Well, that's an interesting one. One thing I wish my phone could do, uh, probably detect emotions and uh, provide uh, feedback to adjust. So I never thought of it. And I love the question. So I said that um, I find that very often in life, uh, we have the, this um tendency, a human tendency to provide a hostile response. So for example, some, somebody, my wife say, says something that I'm not happy with, I tend to have an aggressive response. And this is uh, a response that probably was appropriate uh, 200,000 years ago. That's why we wired to do that. But uh, in 2020, it's no longer appropriate. Hostility, hostile response is no longer appropriate. So if there was an app that picked up that um, I'm getting frustrated and say, Nicola, you're about to say something mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> unpleasant, don't do it. It's the wrong <laughs> thing. Uh, say this instead. Uh, I'd pay Apple extra money. 
I, I, I would love to have that on my phone as well. <laughs> <laughs> so next question, what do you believe that others might disbelieve? Um, if you don't mind, I'll give two answers. One is sure. tech-related tech and one that is uh, a broader, and let's start with the broader one. Um, and, and that's probably more controversial. Um, I believe that the concept of nations is uh, obsolete. I believe that I'm French, I live in the US, my wife's Romanian. Uh, I pay taxes, my taxes pay to pay for unemployment from some people who live in, in this territory called the United States of America. I care about them, but I also care about unemployed people in Spain or in Africa. And um, I think that this whole idea of tribes and getting together and help organizing economies around the particular nation and, and language is obsolete. Now we are inhabitants of a planet and uh, and uh, we see with global warming, we need to have planet solution. We see with COVID that uh, we need to have a coordinated worldwide solution. And um, and I, I I think that um, it's going to take a lot of time because it's a deeply entrenched um, concept. This concept of uh, of a nation, as you can tell from our president in the U.S. and the Make America Great right. Again. Um, it, it worked, people believe in it, but it's obsolete. It's, it's, it's the same thing where, um, um, you know, women right to vote and, and uh, racial equality, there's a lot of resistance. And when it happens, you think, well, of course, that was obvious and we should have never had that, that, that discrimination. And I, I, I feel the same way. So I think in, in one century, uh, it, we hopefully we'll get there maybe earlier. So that, that's one thing I believe that few people uh, uh, believe. I guess it's a more interesting answer. On the text side, I believe a lot of things that uh, don't be, people don't believe, but uh, but um, that so, yeah, the secrets are where we take our bets. So are you saying that you know? Because I'm trying to remember the name of this book, and uh, it'll probably, I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes. But the idea that um, beyond about 150 people on a tribe, it's, you start, you know, the, you can kind of retain those relationships beyond that. Uh, is there, is there a connection around that as far as what you're thinking around or is it, or is it just completely something? Completely yeah, no, I don't remember the book, uh, the name book, the name of the book, but I know what you're referring to. It's slightly different right now. We organize around nations and, um, and, uh, with concept that we should just focus on, on uh, America's interest and our friends' interest, and, and that doesn't make sense. All right, okay. It, it doesn't make sense. What makes sense is everybody, and it's going to be more and more that way, right? Companies are international, and people uh, read on Facebook, they move from places to the other. Uh, you, you, you have very smart people whose job it is to focus to optimize the interest of a particular piece of the planet. And that's suboptimal. It's just the wrong way to do it. The optimal way is to have very smart people focused on optimizing the entire planet. Okay. Uh, because why, why would you want to optimize for uh, John Smith in Pennsylvania more than from uh, Rodrigo Gonzalez in Madrid? Uh, just because you, you, 
live in the, in the same space. It doesn't make sense. We all we all brother and sisters. We should just uh, work towards a, a world where we optimize globally. So you're you're saying that like the definition of a nation is something uh, you believe it to be different than say what you know. You know, conventionally, it, it's I believe it to be as... obsolete. I think we should keep it for sports because it's fun, right? I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still root for the French team, and I love it, right? And I root for Marseille in soccer. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. But when it comes to uh, how do we make decisions about the economy, about the environment, about the policies, then it's obsolete. We should not uh, try to optimize for a particular continent, right? We should. Or, piece of land we should optimize for the globe no i appreciate that um so maybe said another way uh, maybe as and as a result of uh, the situation you know we've we've been in uh what have you changed your mind about lately that maybe you 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 believed before but now now you've kind of changed your mind um i, I, I First, I'm going to say what everybody's changing their mind about that I believe is, is working remotely is possible. So yep. I, yes. I, can't, I can't help make, make that way because uh, when we started the company remotely, I had some venture capitalists say, we don't want to invest because we don't believe in that model. Others <laughs> said, yeah, 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 it's great. But um, uh, of course, when you're small, when you grow up, you, it won't happen that way. Now, earlier this week, Facebook announced that half their workforce will work remotely. And I have a good friend who is a chief marketing officer at the, um, Verizon. He has a thousand people working for him. Before that happened, he swore to me that he, they had to be together because uh, in this big building in New Jersey because it's very different for big companies. And now he's telling me that uh, after the crisis, he's going to have everybody work remotely if they want. So there are some beliefs that... Uh, the crisis has fundamentally changed, and that's a, a, a great one. Well, it's interesting because I, you know, a lot of times the answer to a question is both, and uh, I've I've worked remote um, for many many years. I've I've had that experience, and I'm used to it. But um, you know, there's always this one side or the other. I think you know you're going to find that. Um, you know, if if there if there are is an actual office still there, not you, you didn't start a hundred percent distributed. There's going to be this. Well, you can do one or the other. It, you can do both. You can. It doesn't necessarily. You know, there's people who are kind of were against remote. Uh, maybe it won't go a hundred percent, but they'll be somewhere in the middle. And then there'll be people that kind of decide, yeah, let's go a hundred percent remote. But I feel like it's going to be. Um, it, it, there's going to be. Uh, I think it's it's definitely going to be more embraced. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's right. I think you're right. I'm not I'm not suggesting that uh, getting everybody in the same office somewhere um, is a problem. I think it it, it can work. Um, but there were a lot of people who made the statement that it was impossible to uh, yeah, exactly. work remotely, and I think that has been proven wrong. So, next question. You know, what's the most misunderstood thing about you or, say, Chili Piper? You can you can decide which one you want to answer. I'm going to go with Chili Piper uh, uh, because it's been our struggle. Um, let me give you a bit of context. When I um, started Chili Piper, we were helping sales team scheduling, and I ran into a, 
a, a species called inbound SDR. And yeah. say, what is, what is your job? And they say, well, somebody comes and feed a form on our website. So our marketers spend a lot of money to get traffic. To try, somebody feeds a form that they want to have a meeting. When they click submit, they get the page. They say, thank you. Somebody's going to call you. And my job, me in SDR, is to call these people to, to schedule that meeting. And I said, this sounds like interesting. Uh, how is that going? And they say, we am doing great. I'm doing fantastic. I'm converting at 40%. This is true story. This is not as as I convert at 40%. And I thought, so you mean to tell me that 100 people ask for a meeting and only 40 of them get a meeting, 60 of them don't. And you think it's going great. And that was the most puzzling thing, uh, that people were satisfied with this conversion. So we built a solution that we call Concierge that in real time, it's a JavaScript that you put in your pages. In real time, it uh, takes the data from the form, it qualifies the prospect, it reaches to a sales rep, it dials the rep, dials back the prospect, connect them in real time, or retrieve the calendar from the rep and book a meeting in real time. This, this uh, solution, as you can expect, is a much better experience for the uh, uh, prospect. And what happened immediately is that conversion rate double. So we get people from 40% really? to 80%. And your question is, what is it people don't believe it? They do not believe us. We, we, we go with the look, it's going to, to these days, I see people say, no, 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 the right thing to do is to uh, give faster notifications, your SDRs, and that. Um, it's the most misunderstood that, uh, that this, this process change is going to, uh, is, is the way of the future and is going to uh, be completely standard at some stage, uh, people still believe that, that they can't, they can't uh, do that. And it's the way to do inbound is to send notifications that are inbound is the ask call. I mean, usually it's, it's that old saying, the first to respond, right? Gets the deal. And, and people agree to that. Everybody agrees to, to the idea that the first respond gets it. But for some reason, they, they still think that the old ways of doing things is, is the right way. Um, and that is the most misunderstood thing about chili pepper <laughs> so last uh last question uh you know uh in, in this is really the closer here is you know where where can people find out uh, a little bit more about you nicola uh and obviously chili piper on the interweb um so on chili pepper we use our own uh product as you would hope if you come to our website you feel a form you'll immediately be connected with some of us um, it's important to know that. So we have funky names in my company. So Chili Piper, the play on the word, is not Chili Pepper. It's Piper as in pipeline, <laughs> the I-P-E-R. And then I'd love to have uh, more people come and try our uh, uh, smart to-do uh, to list focus on achieving. It's called Gypsy Time. Uh, Gypsy um, has as many spellings as uh, you could imagine. Uh, ours is G-I-P-S-Y time gypsy time and uh you can try our product directly uh, i'd love your feedback my it's my first name n-i-c-o-l-i-s nicholas at gypsytime.com and i'll put that in the show notes as well so awesome well i mean this has been fun and you know obviously i, I hope i get the uh the next invite to abiza um for <laughs> <laughs> in so, high demand, in high demand. so I'll be, yeah <laughs> so i'll be looking forward to that um so yeah i mean uh, any any parting words before we uh we close off no it was a great pleasure to be on the show um a lot of changes going on so uh 
it's great to be able to exchange ideas and feedback on uh, what's changing and, and, and try to get the future. That's great. Well, okay. Well, that's it. That's all. <laughs>